to the Face Off Podcast, a podcast where the movies of John Travolta face off with the movies of Nicolas Cage until we watch the movie Face Off. I'm Jess McBride. And I'm Erin Hennessy, and we will be your guides along this journey through the far-fetched futures of Travolta and the nihilistic near-futures of Cage. This is our ninth episode and penultimate episode before Face Off, which I'm very excited about. Um... I'm also excited about this episode because it's all about future dread and future dreadlocks. Yeah, so starting with Battlefield Earth, that is the movie that we're reviewing that is starring Nicolas Cage. It is nope. also... Huh? <laughs> what? It's oh, Vince damn it. <laughs> okay, I'm just so used again. to talking. I'm so used to talking about Nicolas Cage and how much I, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> So Battlefield Earth came out in 2000. It stars John Travolta. It also stars um, Forrest Whitaker, who and Barry yeah. Pepper, who and is Barry in Pepper some good movies. Really? Yes, he's in Saving Private Ryan. He's a sniper. Oh, cool. He's Lucky Ned Pepper in True Grit, which is I in my book one of the best villains. So, Especially wait, so Western he had villains. the same last name? Well, as his yes, in True Grit. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> like pretty cool. Ned Pepper, played by Barry Pepper. How fun. Um, yeah, so this movie, uh, it came out uh, almost 20 years ago. That's kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. Scored uh, 3% on Rotten Tomatoes. The, the summary of the movie is, as, as found on IMDb, is it's the year 3000 A.D., The Earth is lost to the alien race of the Cyclos. Humanity is enslaved by these gold-thirsty tyrants whom are unaware that their man-animals are about to ignite the rebellion of a lifetime. Oh, I forgot to say it's also um, directed by Roger Christian. Yeah, we need to give credit where credit is due. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the, the themes that I kind of saw in this movie... Um, or the things that were maybe the most pervasive <laughs> were, I was I was actually trying to come up with, um, I was like doing research on what the the it's not racism right so it's like is it xenophobia is it uh, and the closest description I found of this like I, I typed in when I was <laughs> looking on the web um, like what is the definition of uh, you know. Uh, showing hatred to people that do not live on this planet. <laughs> and the thing that came up was speci- species, speciesism, speciesism, um, but speciesism. But yeah, it, I mean, it is kind of, the movie is attempting to look at this race that comes to Earth and takes over and just, you know, is attempting to acquire resources from Earth and sees Earth's humans as being lesser um, being like animals. And there's also this kind of theme through this film of what, what it looks like to fight for freedom, what it looks like um, for somebody, somebody who has been told that they are nothing, that they do not matter, um, to fight that belief, right? And, and <laughs> overthrow the bad guys. It's, it's kind of just like a classic, I mean, I guess you wouldn't call it like rags to riches, but it's like a um, underdog kind of story. For sure. Also, it's like a freedom fighter yeah. narrative of, you know, I think this is like a pretty common sci-fi thing of like, 
mm-hmm. humans are oppressed in the future by something, either, you know, either our own government that has too mm-hmm. much power, like we'll see in the Humanity Bureau, or another alien race, and we as a species need to have the freedom to, like, live our own lives as we see fit, I guess, and not be oppressed, for one, but also sort of, yeah, kind of, like, have the freedom uh, to live the way that humans want to live, I want, suppose. Want to live, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's what it kind of comes back around to. There's also this... Um, I feel like the the final well I was really intrigued by the way the film ended actually because we see John Travolta in this cage as as the camera pans out and he's surrounded by all of his riches but he's in this cage and I think that that is probably the main intent of the film is to speak of greed and this idea of feeling overly entitled and 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 also like like amassing these things for yourself that don't necessarily matter because he kind of Travolta's character, uh, curl, curl, is it curl? Turl. Curl. Turl. Curl. <laughs> curl. It's such a weird name. Um, he, he is very much about like manipulating everybody to get what he wants. And because he does that at the end of the movie, everything backfires against him and he's all alone. Um, he's in a cage. Yeah, even his Turl, best buddy. <laughs> Turl is sort of a. He's he's definitely a villain, mm-hmm. but I almost feel like there's an anti-heroness about him, and I think this is really typical of John Travolta villains. Oh yeah, is that he has his little charismatic smile, and so he brings this like charming humanity to his villains, and you kind of you're not like rooting for them, but you're also. Mm-hmm kind of like on their team too like you kind of want to go get a drink with him too you want to go get a neon drink at the bar with him i felt yeah they had some neon <laughs> drinks that um there were just it looked like a, just mountain dew it, yeah um, it looked like mountain dew or surge or something you know i i wasn't even sure through the movie is turl gonna reform and mm-hmm. actually you know, Johnny might win him over and because there's even this moment where Johnny has this opportunity to rebel and could shoot Turl and chooses mm-hmm. not to. It's not entirely clear to me why. <laughs> I think he was maybe trying to win over Turl in some regard or he wanted, he still needed more knowledge and technology from Turl in order mm-hmm. to affect the, rev- the revolution. But... All that to say, it was like, I'm curious, like, if Turl is going to be redeemed in the process of this uh, story, which he was not. But he also wasn't killed, which is really interesting. Why would they keep him? Oh, I guess they did say they, they wanted to keep like him It was like his leverage. leverage. But yeah, he was, you know, he was this corporate, what did he call himself? A senior corporate officer or something. They had these sort of, like, corporate language, which was, again, like, Strange. I don't know if that was people like you know the the screenwriter being like sticking it to the man but yeah he was kind of manipulating the system because they were punishing him by keeping him on the planet longer than he wanted to be so he ran this side hustle trying to get more gold and uh was also constantly manipulating his 
partner slash subordinate slash best friend Kurt, who was played by Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. Um, yeah. And, you know, constantly manipulating him and kind of back, I don't know, like they were kind of going back and forth, just betraying each other in, in order to get mm-hmm. more, uh, more wealth. And that was so weird. They were kind of just spiraling. <laughs> um, their relationship was spiraling. So there's, anyway, there's, there's a part. There's a part in the movie where, uh, it's it's. Uh, I really am never gonna get these names down. They're the worst. Uh, Kerr. He he's finally like basically they have this interaction that I actually really enjoyed. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, where he basically tells Travolta's character that, like, I've bested you. I've figured out a way to manipulate you into doing what I want, and that's what you taught me how to do. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, Travolta is like, oh, oh, and he says, like, you know, I've manipulated you by telling these secrets um, to somebody, and you don't know who it is. And Travolta's like, hmm, who could it be? This person? This person? And then he holds up the bartender's head out of nowhere, and he's like, or this person, or whatever his name was, the bartender. That poor bartender. And where did the head come from? Uh, so it was sort I don't of know. mysteriously in a box that was already in the room. Already in the room. He didn't walk in with it. Uh, yeah, and, and I guess maybe this is a good transition. Like, we've talked a little bit about the kind of the themes and, you know, what was going on there with Travolta, but there were just so many problems with this story and the way that, um, the way it was, the way that it was told. I actually, okay, maybe this is a bold claim, but I, I wonder if it was re-edited, if the movie was edited in a different way, if it could make sense or be a presentable film. Like, could this movie, like, could this story, Battlefield Earth, be told in any, I mean, here's the thing. The novel, yeah. when the novel came out, uh, it definitely had mixed reviews, and and from like the critical field, like mostly bad. It's like mostly just silly and mm-hmm. not super, you know, rich characters. Not not a really compelling storyline. Um, I don't think L. Ron Hubbard was really connecting. You know, I think the best sci-fi is when you connect the the story and the issues to actual human mm-hmm. narratives and and issues. So that's relatable, you know, but you're yeah. also kind of in this other world. I mean, we say Star Wars, Star Trek, um, things like that are so human in, in many ways, even though they're, like, kind of dealing with aliens and other planets. Like, the, the problems are still the problems that we have, Um as people and I don't know that L. Ron Hubbard offered that to mm-hmm. his readers and so I I I think that you could take the concepts and and rework them um yeah but I don't know that I don't know that they were starting off super well so also just as a note to some of our readers who may not be familiar L. Ron Hubbard is the leader of Scientology <laughs> and he's one of them he he has written a lot about his own like beliefs um but he also wrote a lot of science fiction and this is one of his biggest like science fiction things and so battlefield earth is weirdly like one of the biggest scientology 
films that has ever come out that's like specifically based on one of those books um and john travolta is a scientologist um Mm -hmm. and i think was like a real champion of seeing this made into a movie um even like years before this came out and he wanted to be johnny Goodboy tyler but he by the time they finally got it greenlit he kind of was like i'm probably too old to be <laughs> the hero Johnny Goodboy <laughs> which I don't know if that I don't really feel like Johnny Goodboy has to be young no um, I don't think so but maybe there's think, this Hollywood assumption that like the main the care the main character has to be like a young buck I don't know we should touch on some of the visual characters visual characteristics <laughs> of of this uh movie because it is um, it's astonishing. First of all, <laughs> the the movie is filmed at a tilt. It's called the <laughs> the term of art is called a, a Dutch tilt. And That's I think there are called. like a minority of shots, like very few shots that are actually straight. <laughs> like, yeah, they're all tilted. They're all tilted and they go back and forth, you know, between angles, which I guess you sort of have to, and it it is just like it makes it the most like student filmy feeling film yeah. I've ever seen. Like I'm I'm astonished that it actually was in theaters. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I would have done if I thought this was like just kind of like run of the mill action movie. It's it's and here's the thing is for me it was like entertainingly bad. Like mm-hmm. it was so funny how bad it was. Because it wasn't, mm-hmm. like, it didn't seem to be seriously attempting any level of quality. The The hair was crazy. The The main character, Johnny, has, like... His hair constantly li- changed. Which, yeah. It did. Well, because <laughs> he's, like, whipping it everywhere in, like, gross mm-hmm. settings. It's basically a greasy version of Lego Lass's hair. It's, like, bra- like long blonde hair with braids mm-hmm. down the side. What um, I, what I, when I said hot, what I meant was Legolas's hair is super hot. This hair was not. It was awful. Listen, and, I and like I mean, long hair as much as the rest, that, but it, you know, it just mm-hmm. was such a weird choice. And mm-hmm. uh, all of the, all of the cyclos have these long dreadlock wigs and sort of yep. egg-shaped heads. Um, like a heads. lot of prosthetics. And, and kind of like, and, and Travolta didn't have a lot of facial prosthetics. I think Forrest Whitaker had some. Um, mm-hmm. But then, like, everyone else seemed to have a crazy amount. So, like, Travolta and Forrest Whitaker had sort of normal features, uh, maybe and just so that they just, could act, yeah. you know. Well, also um, because they were probably the most familiar to audiences. They didn't want to, like, mess up their faces wanted, too much. Yeah. Um. They had like enormous boots that were sort of like stilts because they, I think in the books, the the cyclos are very large. They're like a thousand pounds. So mm-hmm. they're quite a bit bigger than men. They didn't go that, you know, they didn't go that extreme um, in, in Battlefield Earth, but they did try to, you know, make them look quite a bit larger um, mm-hmm. than the men. And the, yeah, and then just, it was clearly terrible graphics um, when, when, like, the spaceships 
were running Awful. around um, in the snow. It was like the most obvious fake snow possible. Um, mm-hmm. It was just it was just kind of an astonishing level of badness. Any final thoughts about this uh, this work of mankind? <laughs> well, um, I don't think so. I I mean. Oh, I think this is kind of an interesting fact. Uh, John Travolta initially offered the director's seat to Quentin Tarantino, uh, Tarantino, who declined. Hard no <laughs> from Tarantino. Yeah, hard no. I'm not going <laughs> to make this movie. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a train wreck. And I think it is, it is a train wreck, kind of like The Room, that is worthy of viewing if you would like to view it. It it's got so many problems. Um, I'm trying to think of if if Tarantino could have made a compelling. I think he could have. Earth. Struggling to come up with creative meals when the bureau is knocking at your door? With Hello Humanity, create delicious moments, even when your moments are up. We deliver all the nearly extinct meal ingredients and step-by-step recipe cards to your door. Right now, we're also throwing in a case of Kerbango so you can drown out your sorrows while mankind meets its doom. With Hello Humanity, dystopian dinner is served. Um, let's move on to the Humanity Bureau. This is Nicholas Cage's movie for this week. Um, Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. You know what? Um, Sorry, I was just cheering for him because he's I know my you favorite. Were. Uh, this movie was directed by Rob King and was released in 2017, so not super long ago. Um, I actually wrote the summary for this because all the summaries for this movie were Sucked. just terrible. Yeah. Um, Noah Cross is an agent of the Humanity Bureau, a government agency tasked with deporting non-productive individuals to New Eden. When Noah discovers that New Eden is actually a death camp, he determines to save a hot mom and her rascally child by fleeing with them and the evidence of the death camp across the Canadian border. Um, Yay, Canada! Yeah, this is basically like a libertarian thriller <laughs> um, <laughs> in which the big bad government is, and it, you know, this is a future where there's there's a crazy drought. They sort of established this right off the bat by talking about the lack of water. Um, he kind of, uh, you know, um, gets down on this woman this landlord for like selling bottled water uh illegally so like even mm-hmm. you know and, and they're saying like even this bo- it's like kind of like i don't know cuban rum where it's like highly regulated and very expensive <laughs> yes um Except so yeah, it's basically, water which is essential yeah there's 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 a lack of resources there's scarcity there's a ton of shots throughout the whole movie about like of like dead livestock in the you know the deserts um and basically the government has like walled off the city and is making sure that people can support themselves if they can't support themselves they're they're deported to New Eden, which is ostensibly like a planned community where they'll be taken care of. 
but people throughout the movie are like, I've, you know, my friend went there and I've never heard from them again. So yeah. people aren't super stoked about going to New Eden. Um, this movie was definitely really interesting. I don't think it got a lot of attention when it came out two years ago. No. I don't, at least I didn't hear about it. I, I don't remember hearing anything to, about did it. Did you even go to the theaters? Does that happen? Does that happen still? Like a straight to video, straight to Netflix situation? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that can definitely happen. And I think it's maybe more common than we know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this is, this story sort of reflects, you know, a, a distrust of government. Government is evil in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and our hero, Nicolas Cage, is is an agent of the government and is sort of he does have his own moral code and that leads him to actually go rogue and like kind of leave the government service in order to rescue these people i well i i would argue that his moral code does to an extent match at least at the beginning of the movie it appears to match that of the government right because he's very much in agreement with everybody He's up for a promotion. He, well, you know, I think he, he honestly believes at the beginning that he's helping. Like he's, yeah, he's in the government to help people. You know, he one of the the movie sort of opens with him um, visiting this old guy who has no income and he's living in a motel, and it was <laughs> it was an extreme scene. Uh, there was like very extreme worms and maggots like in his kitchen sink, and he just this this guy was not doing well. He was, very, it, but he was he, very defiant and wanting to, yeah, wanting to saying, have his own life. This is the United States. I should be free to live however I want to live. But he then he then kills his landlord and tries to kill the agent Nicholas Cage, and and uh, so but Nicholas Cage gets to him first and and kills him but mm-hmm. you know he was sitting with this guy being like hey dude i'm trying to help you know we're gonna take you to new eden and everything's gonna be better for you and so i think that he you know like he, it did align with the government at first but but he soon realizes um through this kind of i don't know Who's Irving? Crossing of fates. I, I wasn't really clear who, who Irving was and like how they got connected necessarily, but someone within the government like tipped him off to the fact that what was Eden happening. is a death camp. And so. simultaneously, he finds out about the death camp and then he essentially gets reconnected with not the person from his past that he expects. This is a little confusing. Is this a spoiler we reveal or no? Uh, I think I think all bets are off for this show. All bets are off. Yes. Okay. So so essentially, he is assigned to go check up on this woman who it was his lover, and and did we he know had that? a child with? Was that developed? he had to have known that because he had the picture of her, so he knew from the beginning. Another woman had assumed her identity and was raising the child. So it wasn't his lover, but he but still... But how did we know as the... I just don't know if I, like, looked away, but how did... He had a photo, <laughs> but I felt like an agent would have a photo. And so yeah. how did we know that they... That he had had a relationship with 
a person of this name. We didn't know it until they're in the car together. At some point, until, when like, they're much when later. They, yeah, till much later when they've escaped. Okay. He, but but the other thing that was a little bit unclear is you kind of just think that he's like having these flashbacks to his childhood and those appeals or those those memories from his childhood are giving him like bringing him back to his humanity and making him humanity and making him realize that he doesn't believe in what the government is doing maybe because of this little boy that he meets but but so so they kind of go on this tangent with that where he'll just like have these flashbacks and there will be water and the noise of him fishing and so you're like oh that's sweet he's remembering what it was like when the earth was good and mm-hmm. everything's bad now but but then later on we he actually kind of confronts this woman who's pretending to be the woman he apparently loved and had a child with I feel um, like it, that could have been unclear. a flashback I was so confused like so basically midway through we find out that she assumed his lover's name and raised his child <laughs> yes he's like that wasn't even a question i feel like the audience was guided into mm-hmm. of like is is this child his or not or like does he have a child yeah. i don't know it's it was just all of a sudden uh out of the blue it's like also this is his child <laughs> and, surprise yeah um <laughs> who doesn't so, look like him at all uh, it, yeah, and and I almost wonder. I think it could have been really interesting if they had, if it had just been his lover, and he shows up and he has to assess her, and and she's like, I can't, you know, I can't believe. Like, there's the dynamic of like, I can't believe you're doing this to me. Yeah, but maybe they're not. Out. Maybe they're not revealing the information of this is our child. But but why did it have to be another woman? Unless they wanted to take the sexual tension out of it because that was the the one thing is I kept wondering if they were going to develop some sort of romantic relationship but they obviously didn't because there there was a significant age gap they Um, were just on the run they were they were just yeah purely on the run no no sex involved yeah um (laughs) one thing I loved I don't know if you caught on this but so part of it is that he has the he has the microchip that has the evidence that new eden is a death camp um he is trying to take that north i didn't really know that he was attempting to do this um as part of the movie but you know apparently he was he puts it in a rabbit's foot um we learn at the end uh and we we see him earlier giving this rabbit's foot to the child Mm-hmm. And I just felt like whoever wrote this movie has never uh, done anything logistical with a child because, you know, a child will always lose anything. Always. Always. <laughs> he, at like, one point, he checks up it. on the rabbit's he, foot. He's like, where's the rabbit's foot I gave you or something? It's in my pocket. Like... <laughs> you know, kids will Don't do trust anything. kids. Don't trust kids. And <laughs> They're unreliable. I don't know. Like, what? what is his thought? Like, well, he's the least likely of us to die. He's the most likely of us to reach Canada. I don't know. I just, yeah. I was like, I mean, it does pay off at the end because. They crack uh, open that rabbit's foot. <laughs> yeah, he's with the wise Native American or, or First Nations person of Canada. 
And he's like, did, did he give you anything? And he's like, oh, he gave me the rabbit's foot that I've had to lug around everywhere. And so there heavy. was a microchip. So there was a nice payoff, but it, it again, didn't make a ton of sense. Um, was it necessary? Probably not. Um, yeah. Oh, something that, okay, so this this kind of relates to Battlefield Earth 2. We didn't really cover it, but there was a, for me, there was this huge question mark constantly of proximity to places because in both movies it felt like people were just able to travel wherever they wanted <laughs> whether it be to <laughs> texas or and 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 we they they kind of keep us updated on where people are traveling and whatnot but the the bad guy's ability to go from the city to wherever nicholas cage was at any given time like yeah. one time who who knows how far that the the woman's house was it had to have been i think it was like hours it was he said something like 300 miles i had to drive 300 miles for this or something and That's right. and that we when he goes back to the house again he goes back a second time Adam, the bad guy with the eye patch, is just like, well, he doesn't have an eye patch yet. He's just like standing outside. Like he's just like there without a car, just like in the middle of nowhere. It and also seems it was, like gas is very scarce. And so why would, you know, why would they just be bopping around? They bop uh, so hard. <laughs> yeah. I just feel and like then they go that to Canada. was a little bit confusing. Why weren't they using flying machines? They should have As used well. flying machines. That would yeah. make so much sense. Or trains, have, like, maybe a high-speed train. <laughs> like I, I understand games. if the, you know, like maybe there's not enough like central organization for a train to go out to that. Probably to not. To all these podunk places. But I do feel like if they had such crazy technology to do certain things, I feel like a flying thing. You know, they had the drone. They had the drone mm-hmm. to like, but he's just got you know, Camino. spy on him. Yeah, that's true. I think part of it was like they just wanted to put the El Camino in there because that's like someone way had a hard on for the El Camino. Of course. Um, yeah, that was that was problematic. Adam's ability to flit from place to place and just like appear in in Adam's Cage's the, apartment. The Humanity Bureau Adam's, villain. Adam's bad dude. Yeah. The pursuit. And then and then Adam halfway through the movie <laughs> gets gets a, an eye patch because. The kid shoots him with a BB gun, right? That's what creates the the need for the eye patch. Correct. Yes, or, and and also I will say one thing about Adam: he's very resourceful. Oh <laughs> when he gets shot with the BB gun, he covers his eye. I think he's chained to like a radiator or mm-hmm. or the the heat yeah. the event, <laughs> and he has a piece of bread on his eye. <laughs> and he tapes it there sure. too, so he doesn't have to hold it. While he waits for backup. Yeah, that was real special. Um, <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, something I noticed is that Nick uh, Noah was reading um, a Penguin edition of Raymond was Chandler's he? The Big Sleep in the car oh. as they were fleeing. The Big Sleep is a detective novel. This is not a detective story in any way. No one is questioning who did what. It's just a chase movie. But um, as sort of a, maybe maybe as a um, a weird little, you know, uh, foreshadowing, the big sleep is like a metaphor for death. And oh, man. Uh, Noah actually dies Does at the die? end of this movie. 
um, I would say somewhat anticlimactically, but, yeah. you know, is eventually shot down by Adam and, uh, you know, with his partner in fleeing, uh, Rachel. Who he does not love. Rachel he the just, mom. The platonic friend that he travels with. This this movie had less wrong with it, for sure, right? Super interesting movie. Definitely, like, mm-hmm. I feel like it definitely was more, you know, oriented towards a male audience of, um, you know, the man saves the day. The woman, the woman can't really hold a gun. Uh, oh, gosh, that was painful. <laughs> the Yeah. There's a there is a scene for those of you who have not seen this movie um, or just want to commiserate it with us because you have seen it where the female character, uh, Rachel, is she's holding. Is it a machine gun? And she attempts to shoot it and her arm just like flails all over the place and she can't shoot because yeah, she's, she's a like woman. a farmer. On the, She's like a, she fully is like self-sustaining on this like farm out in the middle of nowhere. How and can yet, you not do that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So yeah. anyway, um, definitely that kind of message of like, there's one person to protect us as we flee. Um, but yeah, let's not forget the kernel of truth that is, you know, genocide. And on that note... (laughs) Oppression is bad. These are the messages we can take from these movies. Now let's objectify these men. Okay. Just like these women were objectified in these movies. Wow, how different could two characters be dressed? They could not be any more different. Um, We have... I guess let's let's start... Let's go back to Travolta, lest he feel neglected. Do a quick Um, little summary of of how... Well... He was tired. Well, <laughs> we talked about it a little bit earlier, but Travolta was a monstrosity. He had, I mean, maybe less like prosthetics or elements to change his features than other aliens in the movie, but he's got some really serious dreadlocks and a little bit of a Yeah, I would say of the aliens, head. he was huh? the more attractive alien. He was probably like he was the the bachelor yeah. alien. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, his skin is pasty. He's wearing like contacts that make his eyes weird. Maybe gross teeth. He's got gross teeth. I can only imagine yes. these Why aliens had to smell so bad. Like for being such an advanced race, they had to stink. They just looked gross. Like they they could conquer the universe and yet they couldn't conquer dental care. I don't understand that. Yeah, so gross. Plot hole. Um, yeah. Also, something I was not super clear on. I believe the nose pieces that they wore. Were those to give them oxygen? Or it was you know those little, like, those little it nose clips? It did seem became... like that. It seemed like the nose pieces helped them acclimate, but they also yeah. put the nose pieces on the humans. But but then and, and that but then Johnny has a moment where he realizes he doesn't need the nose piece, I believe, and he rips it off of his nose when he goes in their ship or something. He's like, cause he he like kind of like. I don't know how to explain it. That was that was what was communicated to me was that he was like, oh, I don't need this because I'm think from that's Earth. A valid interpretation. Yeah. So so all in all, um, Travolta, I would not, I would not, you know, no, not looking good. Hard not pass. His best look. <laughs> Probably the his worst clothes. look. You know Hands that. Down. That's a challenge. You know, it's challenging to make a sexy enormous alien, and 
They, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they gave it a go. Nick they did. Cage, what was he wearing? I think Ooh. he was wearing, like, I don't know. I, pretty basic clothing. Basic pretty, clothing. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm going to look at some pictures right now because I can't. Oh, he has, like, I, a leather jacket I do jacket remember he a had a, a worker, like, a, a workman's jacket uh-huh. with the name Ray on it. He did. And that You're was right. kind of good luck for him. That was yep. in the process of fleeing. I think maybe he he borrowed some clothes from someone or found some clothes. Maybe he owned. You know who he he could have he could have borrowed maybe some some clothing from the. Is that guy German? The one. Um, yeah, the German survivalist. The Germans <laughs> covered in furs and like a. He looked pretty cool. They were like steampunk. That would almost. be cool if he actually had some furs, like if they yeah. kind of evolved into, you know, because we're like traveling some to Canada. And fur and, but they they stayed pretty, pretty like Walmart basic, which is fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. He he is wearing a lot of black, and you are right. He is wearing like a a work um, almost like a mechanic's jacket and a blue shirt yeah. at one point. He looks pretty. Oh, and it does say Roy. He looks pretty um, clean cut. I don't think that this movie uh, makes him look young. He looks very aged in this film, I would say. He looks age appropriate. Age appropriate, sure. Definitely more so than National Treasure when he goes shopping. You know, he's he's well groomed. There's no, he doesn't, he apparently has time to shave in all this. I don't know when. You know, this pursuit, but... um, you know, so I think I think we have a clear winner this week for for the objectifyingly speaking. I, th- yes. I think that at least I will speak for myself. I think I'm going to stick to the human this week. And, you can uh, also speak for me. And yes, I would go. I would go fishing <laughs> with him if he were still alive. We could go on a date and then go get some poutine. Also, and... his uh, his apartment was immaculate. It was. It was almost too clean. Maybe he has a professional help him. But he must. Maybe in the future they just have like Janet's. Wait, is it Janet that's the robot in the Jetsons? Mm-hmm. I think it is. That oh, that was also really funny. Quick, 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 quick side note. When Adam, bad guy with the eye patch, was trying to find him and figure out where he was going, he goes to his apartment and he's walking around his apartment and it takes him he he sees a trophy and says out loud, like, this trophy you know, for fishing, blah, 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 like a fishing trophy. And then he opens a can of fish on the counter, (laughs) like a can of anchovies or something. And then he walks over to this bulletin board, and then he finally has this moment of realization where he's like, Canada. And he realizes where where Cage is gone or Noah has gone. It cracked me up. It took him a while. seems so unlikely Right? Why that you would, would he... pe- like, why would you piece these things together? Why would you eat fish in somebody's apartment? Why would you? Yeah, that's they were just a, like that's it rude. seemed silly. Like of all things, like why are you doing this? Um, that was that was a real stretch of like, how does he find out this obscure lake that he is heading to, and he sees like yeah he sees like a blank space on the bulletin board, that is not like notes. It's it's just things he likes. Yeah, (laughs) like a boxing flyer. It's like a Pinterest board of dude stuff. Pinterest board of the future when they don't have Pinterest anymore. Yeah, I don't understand. Um, I mean, did the trophy have the lake on it? 
Yeah, it said something about the lake. I'm pretty sure. I'm like almost positive. Cause I remember I just like snorted when he said it. I was like, what? Cause there was, there were a lot of lines where people would just say <sighs> yeah. things out loud like that in an attempt well, to reveal a plot point or make, you know, move the story forward, which is also interesting. That should probably bring us, we, we both agree we're going to date Nicolas Cage this week. Um, AKA Noah, but we also have to decide who was the best, who wins the face off for this week. Jessica, do you want to go first? Uh, I do. <laughs> okay. okay. I am going to, okay. There's a version in which I would say John Travolta because he was sort of a hilarious alien and, and the the movie Battlefield Earth that he helped create was so bad that it was, I think, more entertaining than the Humanity Bureau. But I think I this week I'm going to give my vote to Nicolas Cage and the Humanity Bureau because it's an actual movie, and I think Nicolas Cage did an actual job. <laughs> I think that I think that what Nick what John Travolta did with Battlefield Earth was sort of outside the Venn diagram of making a movie. <laughs> I don't know That's what true. it is. I don't know if it's a practical joke on on humanity or what, but it he he should have known better. He's a grown ass man. That yes. movie should not have happened. He and just so I flew say, a little too close to the sun. John Travolta, so. you you do not get my love this week. <laughs> and anyway. John, let us be clear. Jess does love you. She loves I your sure dancing. I sure do. I sure yeah, do. And there's loves... a level, as I said, there's a level in which the movie was was brilliantly terrible um, and entertainingly so. And and he really did bring a fresh approach to an alien villain. So on all those points, I think you can be proud of yourself, John. But I think that Nicolas Cage despite how bad the movie was it was an actual movie <laughs> it was it had a, a beginning middle and end yeah <laughs> um, that's important I I kind of feel the same way I must say I did read a factoid that John Travolta to this day says that if they were to remake this movie he would make it again like he is so committed to this movie um and, and I think that is really admirable. And I think he was very, uh, he can be so committed to his characters too. This character is different than every other character he's played. It's true. Um, it's, no it's, I mean, here. although it's a villain, yeah, it is and a he, villain, it's a charming villain. And he, that's his, that's his he thing. He is so good at that. That is for sure his calling card, but he, I was just so disgusted the whole, <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. And so confused and tired when I was watching it. And maybe that's on me. Maybe I should have taken a nap before I watched the movie. But it was so hard to follow. And it was it was infuriating. I don't know. Maybe some of the assumptions it's like that a, were made. I feel like the director should be arrested and charged with a crime. There must be some sort of criminal charge for making There has to be those. for making a movie that bad. But all that said, I I also will tip my hat to Nicky Cage this week. I I do love him. This was not necessarily his best performance, but anything would be better than Battlefield Earth. Like anything. <laughs> yeah, good job, Nick. You get you get our points this week. I don't know where that actually puts our standing. I haven't really updated that. 
Um, we'll next update week, you before we watch or before we talk about Face Off. I can't believe we're watching Face Off next. I know. So exciting. <laughs> I just um, did, oh gosh, I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be great. So besides watching Face Off in the near future. Erin, do you have any peaches in your life right now? Oh, peaches. Um, yes, I, uh, I've I've been doing a little more yoga lately. <laughs> uh, part of that is because I've just uh, I do CrossFit, and I'm sure people know that because I talk about it all the time. But I I've been having some neck and back pain, and it's forced me to have to kind of just chill. And so I went to a really good yoga class in um, Colorado. I was visiting some people there, and it was just fun. It was a really nice class, and it made me think maybe I should give yoga more of a fair shake because it just I was I was very calm and I felt a little bit stronger maybe, but mostly just like more limber from that. And so that was for sure a peach. It made me feel great. Everyone do That's yoga. That's great. Do yeah. you feel like you're just discovering yoga? Have you have you gotten into it before, or is this like? I, I go through phases with it where I'll do it. Um, I've done a lot of like YouTube yoga and stuff because it's just like an easy way to also get stretching in. Oh, um, you like, know what? Like I also, one. when we lived mm-hmm. together, do you remember that yoga video that you did? And it was a gentleman with a ponytail yes, and he would it was do yoga <laughs> out in nature. Yes, I love that guy. He's, I think his name's Rodney Yee. I'm 99% sure. He, oh, I am obsessed with him. He used to be a dancer and then he got into yoga and I just think he's fantastic. I don't know if he still makes movies for, or, you know, yoga videos for Guy M, but he's great. Yeah, so no, I think I need to chill a little bit and, um, um, and find some more restful ways to exercise. And so yoga for me right now has been good for that. That's my peach. Great. Yeah, what about you? What's your peach? Uh, my peach right now is The Wire. Um, I won't wax on too much about it because anyone who's ever loved The Wire has already done that for you. But it really is pretty incredible. The first season came out in 2002. So this is yeah. like a time in, in television where TV wasn't amazing. There were some shows that were kind of taking TV to the next level, like West Wing or The Sopranos around this time. But I think mm-hmm. The Wire kind of was another show. It was HBO, so it wasn't on um, network channels, but uh, it kind of took TV to the next level as far as having episode, like seasons that have a full narrative arc, um, very complex storylines, and it it's kind of an incredible like it's like it's an incredible investigation into like drug economy smuggling economy set in Baltimore in the early 2000s and so it's uh the characters are awesome the stories are awesome it's it's just really it's 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 as good as any television show is today and i think we can all agree we're in sort of a golden age of television we are but uh yeah it's pretty incredible have you seen it i've never seen it (gasps) i know i know i know i'm trying to watch star trek right now oh um i'll consider it 
I, I, Consider I, it, I mean, it's, they are like our episodes. I know. There's like 12 in a batch. Um, it it kind of feels like the Beatles. It's like, it's like, I remember before I listened to the Beatles, I felt so overwhelmed because they have so many things that you should know about, you know? And mm-hmm. I feel like the wire is that way for me. It's like my Beatles yeah. right now. Yeah. I And I think it's something I was like talking to some people about it. It's, you know, you don't feel like obviously there's so much content out there right now. It's not something that's like, well, you have to watch it uh, next week or else you're you know, a terrible person. But mm-hmm. definitely continue to keep it on, on the list because okay. it really is. Uh, it's really great. It's really great TV. That's awesome. That's yeah. I love it, dude. How fun. Um, okay, well, those were our peaches. That was our segment about that. In the next episode, we're going to be facing off Travolta's face-off and Cage's face-off. Wow. Ooh! It will it's be crazy. kind of fun to see them in the same movie. It'll be so and- nice. <laughs> Instead of two movies, we just get to watch one. And wow. um, Yeah, we're so excited. Thank you for... For those of you who have stuck with us through this journey of this will be our soon-to-be 10th episode. This is our ninth. Um, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Face Off Podcast. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at faceoffpod or email us suggestions at faceoffpod at gmail.com. We hate to see you go. But we'd love to watch you